And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you've got all that I need. Dimpsey hits Davin Fay. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colm Kyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Geraghty and meet of the football champions. Hello listeners and welcome to the We Are Mead podcast. It's Mickey Brennan here and as always I'm here with the one and only Davey Rispin. And uh, Davey Rispin, um, I suppose after a fairly bad weekend, let's just say, for, for Mead GAA, we are left with all our hopes and our dreams with the, the ladies team. And, you know, we have to get behind them now because our hurlers mathematically had a chance um, on the weekend, but they've been beaten by Westmead. Our Camogues were beaten in the All Ireland semi final, and our our men's team got um, a hiding, let's just say, from Dublin on Saturday evening. So it's down to the women, eh? With no pressure, girls. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's all down to Calvin now, Mickey. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know, like, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come to Calvin in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the, the ladies have been looking forward to the semi final now for probably the guts of a month. So I think um, preparations are obviously going well, and they're they're fairly well set for a crack at it because obviously I think it's been it's probably been the one that's been maybe most realistic of of winning the championship this year. I think that's fair to say. The Camogie obviously would have had high hopes getting to the semi final, but Taken aside from that, you mentioned the hurlers, they were probably more or less out of it, regardless of what happened last weekend. And obviously the footballers, uh, you know, it was just a complete wipeout on Saturday night in Crow Park. So yeah, all on the ladies this weekend, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will be coming back to all that. We'll just run through what's on the podcast this week. We do have, obviously, the result of Mead and Westmead and the hurling. We have the Camogues, who were up against Down. We have uh, the fixture for the Mead ladies against Clare, which will take place next weekend. We have the result of the Leinster final that we won't spend too long on, so we won't, um, unless we want to start talking about Dublin. Um, and uh, we also will be going through the club lottos, and um, we will be seeing what's happening with the managerial merry-go-round around the county as well. Again, we had a massive, massive uh, influx of messages to our Instagram account for our Instagram interactive, so we're going to put that on as a separate podcast on our Patreon, it's going to be the talking points from the weekend. And there's a, a lot of talking points um, coming through to us from you, the listeners. So, again, we want to thank you all for getting involved. Again, just to uh, let you know what's happening on our uh, Loyal Royals podcast this week. We will have, of course, a reaction from the weekend, from the, the football, the hurling and uh, the camogues. Um, we also have our uh, reaction from Crow Park. We'll be doing a review of the Mead versus Dublin game. We will be doing a review of the Meat Hurlers. and we have a reaction from Nick Weir and Jack Walsh after that game. And we also have our regional team, which is Darnley this week, which consists of Dundry, Trim, Boards Mill and Clonmagale. And that is 
I say this every week, but you know, when you look at it, Dundry and Trim, like Trim, definitely uh, good enough to be a senior team. Clondagale are a very high intermediate team. Dundry could be pushing for a senior spot as well. Any year that we talk about the championship, the intermediate championship, Davy, we always give Dundry an outside chance of winning it. So this regional team uh, from Darnley is going to be star-studded and full of quality. It's amazing. It's absolutely sensational. So don't miss that. Yeah, I mean, the three teams that you've mentioned there, Mickey, they would always be, be put in the same breath as regards contenders for an intermediate championship year in, year out. Trim are obviously the big protagonist. And then if you're looking at contenders, you would also point Dundry um, and now Clannagale because they've established themselves as an intermediate team. So at Boards Mill, you have to remember too, like they're, yeah. they're improving all the time and they're a very decent junior side. Um, I won't say unfortunately for them, but they probably would have a bigger representation if they were maybe put in a couple of other regions, but such as the strength and depth in this particular one that it's uh, it's an incredible team. Yeah, it really is. And uh, again, don't forget to go over to our Loyal Royals podcast on Patreon forward slash We Are Me. And you'll get all the podcasts that we have done in the last number of uh, months and years and uh, since we started doing our uh, Loyal Royals podcast. And of course, you will get all the... We have four podcasts going out on the Loyal Royals service this week. Davey, I suppose we'll start off anyway with the We Are Mead podcast and we're going to start with the Hurlers. And uh, you attended this game at Park Tolchin on Saturday at 1.30 and it was Mead 1.19, Westmead two goals and 20 and the Westmead manager of Mead uh, just wasn't able to get one over his his um, his own county in the end and it was a four-point win for Westmead. Um, Nick Weir... I suppose he's probably looking at that and he's trying to build for next year at this stage, knowing that there's no um, relegation from the Joe McDonough. Yeah, absolutely, Mickey. And he's doing a really good job. But there's still that elusive um, piece of the jigsaw for Mead because the performances have been excellent. You know, you look at, um, aside from probably the Kerry game, first game out, like last day against Car- uh, Carlo, who were sensational, you know, rallied and, had they got another couple of minutes, they probably would have nicked that game and, and maybe got something out of it. The Westmead game, again, big local derby. I don't think Mead have a win over Westmead in the last 15 years in Hurland. And uh, as you say, with the kind of subplot of Nick Weir coming in to, to manage Mead this year, a Westmead man, a, a very passionate um, and proud Westmead man at that. But there was no question where his loyalties lay at the weekend and he put everything into that Mead uh, performance as did the players they were absolutely tremendous I have to say they, they worked their socks off to put themselves in a winning position and unfortunately um, due to a Jack Regan red card probably 15 minutes from time they, they would have got that win I'm nearly sure um, but unfortunately the numerical disadvantage that they suffered eventually Westmead ground them down and it was a Luke Lachlan goal late in the day I think it was approaching injury time that really swung the game because they were level going into injury time but there was some superb performances um, all over the pitch for me, they thought Pajo Hanron with the freeze, very good. Um, Jack Regan was superb, kicked, uh, kicked, uh, hit a couple of uh, outstanding points as well. Um, in the full forward line, Jack Walsh was a real handful. He contributed 1-2 to the tally. Um, and Adam Gannon was the real star of the show. He he had three points before having to depart with a, with a hamstring injury. That was also a big loss for me. That probably coincided with Jack Regan's red card at a crucial time for me. And Westmead used all their experience and now to just get over the line. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was a disappointing result, but they do get a chance to um, maybe 
I uh, show what they're made of next week uh, when they take on Antrim on Saturday at one thirty in Park Tolchin again. And I suppose, Davy, looking forward to that game. Um, you know, there's nothing riding on it. You've nothing to lose. You've nothing to gain. Um, well, actually, you've got plenty to gain by getting another good performance out of this team and to prepare themselves for another John McDonough, another shot at the John McDonough next year. Well, that's exactly it. And Nick said that we'll hear it in our reaction podcast as well from him. And he says the fact that they're a Joe McDonough team next year, they have to continue to prove to people that they're good enough to compete at this level and a result would, would go a long way. Performances are great, but ultimately it's a results-based business. And uh, I, I think it's probably represents a decent opportunity in Navin because I think Antrim are true already, so they may not go into it with as much uh, riding on it as it probably would have had it been an earlier round game. So probably represents a good opportunity for me. Their attitude was absolutely fantastic last weekend, Mickey. And if they have the same one, they'll at least give Antrim a game and, and hopefully nick something out of it. Yeah, and of course, Antrim will be looking for uh, retribution after me beat them in the Christie Ring um, a few years ago after, uh, was it a replay? It was and, uh, after a Hawkeye mistake and the famous replay and the whole lot. Like So, um, yeah, we, look, we, we wish the lads the best of luck next weekend when they take on Antrim and hopefully they can finish on a high, finish their championship campaign on a high and get ready for next year. Moving on anyway to now the staying with the sticks and it is the Camogues. They were taken on down in the All-Ireland semi-final in Clonus on the weekend and unfortunately came up a cropper. It was down 14 points. Um, me, the Camogie ladies, uh, eight points and Davy a disappointing end to the championship for the girls and, uh, you know, like... Th- th- there was definitely, well, there probably was a bit more in them anyway, so there was. They definitely could have been a little bit closer to them. Yeah, they'll be disappointed with the way it's petered out for the Mickey. Um, after a really promising start with the win down in Kerry on the first day, um, they've come up a cropper against Northern teams now the last couple of weeks, and that's ultimately been the downfall, I suppose, themselves and down before a, a ball was poked, really, and anger would have been the two teams on everybody's lips to go and challenge for the intermediate it was, a, it was a rematch of the 2012 decider as well between the sides. But I think Down are quite a decent team and well-seasoned. They um, they were beaten in the final, I think, was it two years ago? And they were beaten semi-finalists last year as well. So they've been knocking on the door for a number of years. But as you were saying to me off-air, like me, they're just coming down from senior. So you would expect a bit of a sting from them. But they, they gave themselves too much to do in that second half, Mickey. They, they were down by, I think it was... Uh, nine or ten points to two at one stage and they did manage to rally in that third quarter got themselves back in the mix um, but again down just pull clear towards the latter stages and you'd have to say won it comfortably enough um, like you know I, I don't really know is, is it probably a culmination of games me didn't have the luxury of having a week off it was week in week out and maybe that just <laughs> caught up on them in the end but uh <laughs> I know we've spoken about it, the polar opposite to that. But I mean, when you're when you're winning games, I always say this: it it nearly doesn't play on the mind or the body as much as it does. Me, they were coming off the back of a defeat, um, which obviously put them in the scenario that they were in. But uh, they, they'll go again. They'll rally. I, I mean, the, the year that was in it, they had a fantastic league campaign before COVID hit. Um, they would have been in the league semi final or final, but that was obviously scrapped. So their preparations were slightly. Um, upscuttled a little bit as well. There was new management in there with Brendan Skihan too, so it was it was a difficult one. Yeah, would would that not have been the same uh, for all the teams? So um, you know, the the COVID and the lockdowns and the breaks and all that. I, like, uh, 
It would, it would, and it wouldn't. It, it would obviously from playing nature, but me, they were winning games, Mickey, and they were they were unbeaten going into the break. You know what I mean? And okay, they, were yeah. gar- they were guaranteed of a league, at least the league semi final, if not final. They won all their league games. I seen them against Kilkenny in the league, and having I thought they were moving extremely well, and it probably just came at a bad time and it broke that momentum for okay, the new management yeah. in there. You know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, you know, we've we we've seen the clip that was on. Um, on Twitter, it's doing the rounds on Twitter. It was from uh, Tina G. And, you know, Amy Gaffney didn't start the game and, and, and came on and she made a big impression. And, you know, we've, we've spoken about Amy Gaffney on the podcast here numerous times and we would have said she's one of the best camogues in the, co- in the county. You know, um, was she injured or, like, it's a shame that she wasn't starting. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a baffling decision, as you heard from the Tina G um, pundits as well at the game. And like she made a big contribution when she came on, didn't look injured, to be honest with you. Um, she's been moving rather well. Like y- you look at the first game in Kerry, as I said, she was probably the difference in that game, Mickey. Um, and I know corner forward isn't her favorite position. She prefers playing further out the field. But in there, she is always dangerous. And if you give her a sniff, she will more often than not punish a team and... Uh, it was just a strange one. I don't know, was it a tactical decision or whatever, but you'd have to say, on reflection, it didn't pay off. Yeah, disappointing. End to the year for the Mead Camogues as they lost down in the All-Ireland semi-final, the intermediate semi-final. 14 points to eight. And uh, as we said at the start of that, we just felt that, that, that they were, they were mu- they're much closer to down than a six-point defeat in an All-Ireland semi-final. But look, that's, that's sport for you. Um, moving on, and uh, just to announce a fixture for next weekend, the ladies, the Mead ladies are the only team uh, left at county level in Mead that are um, still still alive and still kicking and still uh, up with a chat or in with a chance of uh, taking a cup back to Mead. And uh, they will take on Clare next weekend. And uh, Dave, I think it's. Um, I'm not sure what day it is. Is it Saturday or Sunday? It's it's Saturday and uh, there's a change of venue too, Mickey. I there think it's is, in yeah. Leash now. It was originally meant to be down south, but uh, I think that makes a little bit more sense and won't be as bad of a journey for the Mead girls. Yeah, I'm just seeing it here now. The venue changed. The All-Ireland semi-final versus Clare switched to O'Murr Park, Port Leash on Saturday, November the 28th at 1pm. So next Saturday, 1pm, the venue will be Port Leash. And uh, I'm sure that will be live on TG Car, or there might be deferred coverage, or it could be live on Facebook. But stay tuned to the Mead Ladies Facebook pages for um, all details about the streaming of that game. And, and Davy, um, you know when we look at this game as well for the for the Mead Ladies, this this is a big one. The Clare game is going to be a huge game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you said it there last week. They're, they're a decent side. They've been moving well. Yeah. Um, Mead will probably, I have no doubt, probably go into the game as favourites, but there'll be no sense of complacency in their game whatsoever. They came through a really tough test in round one against Down. A um, little bit more straightforward than against Leitrim the second day out because a lot of the heavy lifting and hard work was done that first day. But but they'll be, they'll be on their guard, you know, and they'll need to produce a, an equally... Um, disciplined and, and good performance um, this weekend if they're to get a place in the final. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one, I suppose, at this time of the year. Weather can play havoc for, with, it, with a game, so we'd be hoping that for, for fairly calm conditions because, you know, if a team 
uh, has the wind in the first half, and 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 especially in ladies football, they can really reap the reward, the rewards of the wind, using it, pushing it at their back, and putting the ball in long. And it can be difficult for the other team to get up the other end of the field. So we're hoping for calm conditions because I think as a football inside that Mead would probably be better uh, equipped than Clare. Yeah, Clare obviously coming from the west, so they're probably more accustomed to those wild and windy <laughs> conditions, Mickey. But True. no, uh, absolutely. I mean, harping back to that down game, Mead had that breeze in the first half um, and they got up a decent lead. And I know they were clinging on a little bit towards the end, but that's exactly what you said. Once you get a team pinned in in the first half and you have the breeze behind you, it's very much uh, an opportunity to search yourself all over the game. And that's exactly what they'll be hoping for. Portleash is an excellent surface, so I don't think there'll be any... Uh, excuses with the pitch or anything like that so fingers crossed for good conditions and a good performance and hopefully a good win yeah absolutely and we wish the ladies the very best of luck as they uh, travel down to Portleash on Saturday for the meeting of uh, Meath and Clare in the All-Ireland Intermediate semi-final and uh, moving on now I think that's all the, the football fixtures and results that we need to go through Davey is it? I, I think so yeah we're <laughs> We're getting down to. Yeah, should we just go on? Should, should we just should we just go on to the lotto now and Instagram and Daniel Mary go on? Go on, we we better take Look, do it like faster. Um, yeah, like uh, I suppose we, we better address the elephant in the room, and um, uh, it's tough because it's a Leinster final. I was so optimistic, Davy. I was so optimistic. You know how optimistic I was all week. I had all my friends uh, that are not from Mead, um, from all over the country, uh, texting me and whatever, talking to me during the week. And I was like, honestly, lads, the spread is 11 points. I am guaranteeing you that Mead will be well within that spread. And I'd go as far as to say that Mead are going to win by four points. And Mm -hmm. I said this to everybody and uh, they all backed it. And... (laughs) They were all, and they were like, uh, there was there was guys from all over the country, and they were like, "Go oh, right, well, I'll take his word. I'll, I'll definitely take his word." And I, I don't, I don't like get them terribly wrong too often. I really don't, and, and that's when I when I really when when somebody asks me genuinely, you know, like if they were putting a bet on, I wouldn't tell people to bet. A lot of the time, I'd be saying, "Look, to be honest, with you, I don't know," but my feeling would be this. But like this time. Mead in Dublin, I was telling everybody, I was like, going, get your money on Mead, put your house on Mead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just, you know, and it ended up being Mead nine points, Dublin 321, Davy, and uh, Crow Park, Leinster final day, um, an unbelievable commemoration for Bloody Sunday 100 years ago uh, uh, on Saturday. And it was a phenomenal um, show that they put on. Um, Crow Park and then it was a phenomenal show that Dublin put on Yeah I mean the show was spine tingling it was really really emotional and uh, highly highly charged stuff before the throw in and like as a player I can only imagine that it, it would have had to have spurred John and obviously Dublin were involved in that game 100 years ago so they maybe had a little bit of extra significance going into it and we've we seen the way they marked it after the game but like from our perspective, we, let's call a spade a spade. That wasn't good enough. That wasn't near good enough. It's it's probably uh, the worst performance that that I could probably remember from from my time watching Mead. Uh, the other one that sticks out is maybe Loud when they relegated us in the league. Uh, 
I, I think that was 2011 or 2012. I can't remember, but they were the two that stick out to me. And in, in comparison to last year, Mickey, and I know we've spoken about in recent weeks, whilst it was a hammer in last year, we, we did perform for the first half of the game. 100%. Granted, granted, we didn't probably get the reward, but we were only five points to one down. And you'd have to say that we were competitive and we were in the game going into the second half. We were out of the game after 10 or 12 minutes uh, Saturday night, Mickey, which was the most disappointing thing. One thing that I kept saying in the lead up to the game was that we have to be in it after the first water break. 3-2 down, 3-2 up, whatever it is, we just have to still be in it um, and mixing it with them. But after that first goal, everything just folded for us and uh, it was it was a complete and utter disaster from, from start to finish. Um, hard to pick positives out of it. Hard to know where the performance came from, Mickey, to be honest as well, because... We've been buoyed by our league performances. The, the two wins in the championship obviously gave us confidence as well. And the fact that we probably ran Dublin close in the league and that coincided with Dublin maybe not uh, going at, at full tilt. But that's something that we see so often. They just have this ability to switch it on when they want. And that's exactly what they did on Saturday night. It was a superb performance from them. There's no taking away from that. But it was a, a woeful performance from a Mead perspective. Yeah. Um, God, uh where do you start? Um, like on 68 minutes, Dublin were tackling the mead forwards the way they tackled them in the first five minutes. It was absolutely incredible to watch. They were tackling in packs. 68 minutes gone, they were 18 points up. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but there's three, four Dublin players chasing mead players. Uh, when, the, when the ball is moved by the mead players, they're chasing, chasing. It's in the lead up to Thomas O'Reilly's uh, Hail Mary shot from out on the right which yeah. was well out to the right and wide but the pressure that Dublin were putting on on Mead was just uh, uh, exceptional look it was, it, it was this This is this is a few things this is Dublin were awesome but Mead had the worst day they, they've ever had I thought that defensively our backs were way too far away from their men you spoke about last year's game the intensity that we brought to that first half was just phenomenal. There was no intensity from us this week, um, this year. Um, we took the wrong options. We got two goal chances early on, and we didn't. I think we got one point out of our two goal chances, and you know they were two goal chances that we needed to take. Um, I think that I, I thought that we we just made the wrong decisions a lot of the time. Um, who was it? I think it was it was a Brady Matten McMahon that came in and took the shot that Stephen Cluxton saved, and you know, um, the, the, the easy pass. Joey Wallace. Joe, was it Joe, was it Joey Wallace? No, that was Joe, that was towards the end. This is in the first half, and all he had to do was play it across the, the square, and there was an open goal. And I, I I don't know, like I just, I, I I just felt so because the lads didn't go out to play like that. Um, you know, and, and no players go out to play like that. It was just a, a very, a very disappointing uh, result. Davy, if you were to take any positives from it, what would you be taking from it? Uh, the young players again. Um, I, I thought Jordy Morris probably came out of the game with with a decent amount of credit to his name. I think he kicked four points in all. Uh, a little bit quieter, maybe a couple of uncharacteristic misses in the first half, but he kept going. He kicked a couple of smashing points in the second half, one off his left, one off his right. Thought Jason Scully made a huge difference when he came on towards the end, yeah. as did Joey Wallace. Um, it probably begs the question why Joey Wallace maybe didn't start when he came on and contributed like that, as he's been doing week in, week out now for a, for a long time. Um, so it's the young players. And again, I thought Matt Costello was probably um, maybe the pick of our defenders once again. So 
um, from that perspective. And even Owen Harkin and Kyle Hickey also came on and did okay. Um, but aside from that, it was it was very hard to pick uh, to pick anything. I thought like our full back line, Mickey, and I, I know it was a cause for concern after the first half in the Kildare game. But again, we were really exploited. Um, there was a lot of talk in the lead up about the matchups and. You have to look at the two goals that Dublin got, Mickey. The first one, like, was was absolutely criminal. And I actually watched the game back uh, only today. <laughs> I only could watch it today. But um, Conal Callahan wins the ball right in the midfield, and you can't see it on the television. But we had a perfect view of it from from the stand. Uh, David Toner was marking um, Scully, Niall Scully, and. Conal Callum was completely on his own in the midfield. So Toner made the decision to leave Scully to try and go and tackle Conal Callum for the ball. As it turned out, Conal Callum won the ball and then suddenly his open ground in front of him. Plays it into Scully. Scully's to Fenton, who's on the run, and then it's into Rock, right through the heart of our, our defence. The second goal was the exact same. Robbie McDade picked the ball up, acres of space, picked the pass into Sean Bugler, who again, it was like the the the, the, the Irish literally. Of the, the Red Sea pardon. The Red yeah. Sea just opened up in front of him and he just, he couldn't believe it. He just walked straight into it, played a one-two and slapped the ball into the net. And that's probably a feature of Dublin's goals. And for us, it's more so our goals tend to come from wide. We come in from the left and right. We don't seem to be able to penetrate down through the centre of a defence, whereas that's exactly what Dublin do and they do it brilliantly well. But it was just the time and space that they were afforded on the ball which made it I would say it made it easy because they were still really well executed goals, but it looked easy, and for them it probably was easy. Yeah, and you have to admire what Mead were trying to do. You could see that Mead were trying to play a bank of eight up in the forward line, and they were trying to push up on Dublin to make them go long. But if you're going to make them go long, you can't leave someone the quality of Conor Callan all on his own. He, there wasn't somebody within 20 metres of him, and that's the scary thing, and that leaves it very easy for a goalkeeper like Cluxton, who's got a, an unbelievable range of kickouts that he can uh, uh, choose from, to be able to just drill it down the middle to a player wide open on the far 65, is, is it is criminal. Um, our own kickouts are free take free taken, again, come into question. Um, you know, when we did go long, we left them hanging in the air. They weren't, they weren't fizzing the way, the way, the way, um, the way Dublin's Cluxton's uh, kickouts were going, and then our free taking was poor. Yeah, our free taking was poor, and uh, that was a trend in last year's final as well. We were snatching, we were dropping balls short, we were pulling them wide in the near side. Like as as you know, as a free taker yourself, that's that's killer. You know, that's not going to wash, and it it really drains the confidence out of you as well. When one or two of them start to go wayward, yeah, everything else starts to fall down. Um. To be fair, I, I I wouldn't I'd agree with you that the, the kickouts were a bit more floated. As we know, that's that's what markies are. They're, they're not as pinpointed as Stephen Cluxton's, but there was a marked improvement on kickouts. I think we came in about the high sixties, possibly seventy percent, and we only relinquished one short kickout. So the short kickouts wasn't a problem. It was more so those long ones. Um, but you'd have to say in general, I thought the, the short kickouts from Markey were quite good out the field. We probably just didn't contest and, and win enough break a ball as we probably had to. Um, what? We, we were wiped in midfield as well. You have to just admire Dublin and, and Brian Fenton in particular. And then they, like when they empty the bench, Mickey, like to bring on Brian Howard for the second half, to bring on Kevin McMenamin, Cormac Costello, Paul Mannion, 
Like it, it, it just goes from bad to worse because these lads are now guys who are trying to push to get into the team for a, an All Ireland semi final. Yeah, yeah. Just going back to the kickouts. Um, uh, what what I meant about Marky's kickouts is that we don't have the option of doing what Luxton did if they push up. Like Dublin were pushing up on our kickouts, and if if we were able to kick that ball 70, 60, 70 yards and put it down on the far forty five meter line, you know, on top of Shane Walsh or something similar to Conor Callaghan coming out the field to gather a ball. We just didn't have that option. So in, in that respect, we did do well because we knew we had to go short and whatever, and we, and we gave one of them away. Um, just the fact that we we just don't have a big enough range of, of, of kickouts. Yeah, and, and the problem with it was mm. is when we did go short and get our possession, uh, primary possession, we hit the wall then. We, yeah. we, we were dancing around our full back line, not exactly knowing where to go and what to do we'd eventually maybe get up as far as the halfway line and then we'd just aimlessly maybe kick the ball away or kick it into space and Dublin would eat that up and swallow it and counteract it with a move of their own and it was just a constant barrage of pressure from from the dubs and you know you can probably sympathize with our defenders in that sense too because they were under extreme <clears throat> pressure yeah. throughout the entirety of the game and, and there was no real let up from start to finish Davey did you did, did you think they looked tired um, or, or, or was that, or was that just mental uh, fatigue that they were after 15 minutes? We missed a couple of goal chances, we missed a couple of frees, and players were starting to drain, and the mental fatigue set in, and they looked tired because there was a couple of players who just looked so off the pace. Possibly, we looked sluggish. Definitely, I, I don't know. Could you put it down to tiredness? Um, yeah, we had a tough game, but. This is kind of where I'd probably harp back to the likes of Calvin, Mickey. You know, they've had three or four tough games on the trot, yet look at the effort and application they put into the Ulster final. Like, what would just... Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, Mickey, right? But when I look at Calvin, I don't see a, an absolute standout player. They just all roll up their sleeves. They work their socks off. They have extreme good work ethic, uh, desire, commitment, passion, you name it. They have it. They wanted it. To me... Yeah. But we, I, I, I get what you're saying 100%, but I'm going to throw another curveball at you. Um, they weren't playing Donegal and Bally Buffet. You know, Donegal weren't playing Cavan in, in Breffney Park. It was a neutral venue. It was, it was the, the athletic grounds, you know. And, like, I'm not making excuses, but something has to be done about that. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, and there's already talk. Peter Canavan has already come out. Joe Brawley has already come out and said that Cavan are playing Dublin in the All Ireland semi final, and they should refuse to play it in Crow Park. What's yeah. the what? They're like, they're like the whole idea of playing in Crow Park. The reason for it that they've given before is that, um, you know, it takes twenty five thousand people to uh, in Crow Park to to justify opening it. Well, they. They don't have anybody going into Crow Park, so how are they justifying opening it? Why why not send it to an empty ground? Like as as Kieran Callahan said to me last night, Navin or nowhere. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but like but that, but that's, that's I think I think going back to the Leinster final, that's obviously what saying, yeah. the, the natural reason was probably because of the commemoration, and that's what if you pursue it further, that's what you'll be told is because of that. But traditionally, obviously, the Leinster final would always be in Crow Park. Be in the Crow Park, yeah. I, I agree with you that that quarterfinals of the Leinster, semi-finals of the Leinster, they should be taken in Avonport, Leach, Tullamore, wherever it is. 
absolutely. And the All Ireland semi final the same. It should be brought to Navan or it should be brought to wherever. But uh, I, I think the Leinster final, regardless of COVID or anything else, probably should be played in in the, the stadium where it always would be. It'd be like Thurles for the Munster final or yeah. you know wherever the Ulster. But yeah, I, I do see your point. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't think uh, I don't think it would have made a massive difference. No, 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 no. Not if, if Dublin came out with that attitude and that application. They were they were immense, and I think it was a really off day. I've never seen so many bad performances from one group of players on the same day. It's just it was it was it was a, a car crash. It really was, and I really feel for the lads because they don't go out and train the way they train to go out and put that performance in. And, you know, some of our biggest names and the people that we big up the whole time just didn't perform on the night. And, uh, look, what do you do? Yeah, and you, you look at you have them and uh, it's extremely difficult because everything went into that game and all the preparation that was done in, in and the whole goal was to get to a Leinster final. And then when you perform like that, just for, for the management and, and for the players, it must be so infuriating. And then... You know, Mead fans, although they're they're brilliant and everything like that, they're they're a fickle bunch too, Mickey. They're yeah. probably like most most counties are maybe even worse. Um when, when you're winning and when things are going well, it's all good. Nobody minds, and, and I want to differentiate this, nobody minds when you have a bad performance and you criticize. That's allowed. That's exactly what we're doing. But when you completely turn on a team based on one performance, it's the old you have to stick through them through thick and thin. And yeah. unfortunately we have fans who just jump and and unfortunately, changed their mind week in, week out. But that's just uh, that's just what we've become accustomed to. Yeah, well, a lot of them would be, um, you know, World Cup winning managers themselves, and uh, would have won a few All Irelands. You know, like if, if if Sean Boylan or someone like that came out and criticised them, fair enough, and and went with the knife the way some people are going out there, and um, you'd say, right, well, that man has, knows his stuff. But when you get it from the ordinary Joe Soap. It just kind of, you just have to look at it and laugh, really, so you do, um, and lead them to it. Well, look, we will be reviewing uh, the Mead versus Dublin game in depth on our Patreon service, the Loyal Royals podcast. And um, we do have reaction from Crow Park as well, included in that one. We're going to move on now. And um, on the managerial merry-go-round, Davy, um, just any updates on that at the minute? Uh, there's there's one that I definitely know about, and he's uh, he's our former manager now. Anthony Monaghan has uh, has moved to Nobber, so Castletown oh. man uh, taking over the Nobber job, which is big news. Um, wish Anto well there. I know he was uh, he was chatting to Boards Mill as well, but I'm sure the Nobber one, despite his uh, loyalties to Castletown, is one that you probably couldn't refuse them re- returning to intermediate, and obviously the hot shot that is Jordan Morris there as well. Um, would be a big temptation. Yeah, that, that'd be like somebody from St. Dalton's managing Courtown next year when somebody from Castletown is managing Nobber. That is huge. You're not helping his cause, Mickey, but the only <laughs> thing he'll probably throw back at is, is Nobber Intermediate, whereas Castletown are now junior. So obviously there's not a risk uh, yeah, of coming up against them. There's not a risk of coming up against them, so there's not. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big one. And of course, as well, um, it's uh, there's been white smoke in Simonson, I believe. Um, now, I have it on good authority that uh, one and only Colm O'Rourke is going back to manage Simonson. That was the news I heard during the week. And uh, if anybody doesn't believe me um, uh, or, or, or has that problem with it, they can go to me mother because she knows her stuff. 
<laughs> and uh, she was she was the one who brought the news to me. Carl O'Rourke back in charge of Simonstown. And I think that's a really good appointment, Davey. Yeah, it's probably what Simonstown need at this point in time. Um, although, <laughs> I think is this his third or fourth stint, Mickey? Like the say never to go back. He's probably you know been the exception <laughs> of the rule, haven't gone back there and won two championships. So. The, the, it's going to be a big ass to get Simonson back to that, but that's exactly what Colm is is going in there to do. And you know as much as as much as anyone, Mickey, he has the capabilities and uh, he he has the respect of the players to go and do that. So fingers crossed, we see Simonson back challenging. But that that is a significant piece of uh, managerial merry-go-round news. Yeah, yeah. Like since Colm last managed Simonson, we had Kieran Kenny. Uh, obviously, it was uh, who was on his management team before that took over the team. And um, and then obviously we had Des Lane and Jude McNabb um, over the team. So and now in comes the one and only Colm uh, back in for another term with Simonstown. And it's funny because you, I, I, there's an old saying: you 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 don't know what you have until it's gone. And I I, I really do feel that maybe the 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 Simonstown players didn't realise what they had in Colm O'Rourke until he was gone and. You know, I it's well. Everybody knows the crack between myself and Colin. We, we, you know, it was a love hate relationship, so it was. But like, I respect that man so much. But he's, he's a taskmaster, and I, you know, but that's the passion that I just showed, and he, I think he enjoyed it. And we're 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 great buddies now, so we are. And we'd always send each other the odd text message or whatever, like after games and and stuff these days. But I, I really do feel that the Simonson players didn't know what they had. Until he was gone, and and now they're they're nearly crying for him to come back, and he's coming back at a perfect stage where they've lost two semi-finals, and two semi-finals that they could have won. Mm. Well, it wasn't a semi-final actually; they lost this year to a, a quarter final. I suppose it was basically a quarter final against Rathod, and um, uh, yeah, it's. I, I just feel that they, they they probably know themselves that they've let a couple of finals get away from them. Like Simonson could have easily been in four finals in a row, or four out of uh, out of five finals, and uh, you know it's um, it's a chance for Colum to come back in and maybe maybe just glue that team back together and say right, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, no, no offense to Des or Kieran Kenny, they were they were great guys um, and came in with great ideas and whatever. But maybe maybe the the the, the players wanted all these ideas and maybe they didn't need to tinker with the. Um, with the actual tactics that much, really, because fabulous, fabulous footballers in Simonson, and they're still there. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the managerial um, appointments. No other appointments now that we've heard of in the last couple of days, Davey? No, although I've, I've, uh, no, I've heard a rumour about Colm Coyle possibly linking up with Castletown. Yeah. Um, heard this from a, a variety of sources, but nobody has yet confirmed it. So at this stage, it is purely speculation. The other big news is um, David Nolan uh, has left Kilbride, which I'm a little bit surprised because I, I did think he was going to stay on. He's done a smashing job there over the last two or three years. Um, so that's a big, big loss for Kilbride, and he'll take uh, a bit of a place. And I haven't heard if not he's gone anyplace else or anything like that, but I know he, he has uh, parted ways with Kilbride, which is big news. That's huge news. Um, I know I was only talking to David maybe six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. And he was already putting things in place for next year. 
So that's a big, big surprise, whatever has gone uh, happened there. But uh, David Nolan leading Kilbride, disappointed to hear that. But I'm sure he won't be out of work for too long because he is a fantastic young manager and uh, he's a really bright future ahead of him. He's won everything in the game. He's incredible. And uh, best of luck to David Nolan wherever he goes. And we'll keep you informed on what's happening in Kilbride over the next few weeks. I'm sure they will be uh, replacing David as soon as they possibly can. So, Davey, I think that's all of the managerial merry-go-round. Um, just, again, just to, uh, we want to let all our listeners know that we have been um, we have been supporting all the clubs uh, by doing the club lottos. And um, any of the clubs that have their club lotto live at the minute and online, we have been doing them. So, um, there's I think there's about 23 24 clubs at the moment that are live and we've been doing them on a weekly basis. So again, um, we want to uh, encourage everybody out there to um, support your club lottos. And don't forget, you can support any club lotto that you want um, across the county. You can go on to their uh, social media pages or you can go on to their uh, um, web page and you can go to their lotto and do the lottery. You know, there's uh, Club Force are, are one of the ones, one of the apps that uh, is used by most of the clubs. And, you know, you can you can go in, do the lotto for whatever uh, club you want to and, uh, and and get into that draw. Because there's, Stevie, there's some big, big jackpots out there at the minute. There's some massive jackpots, Mickey, which uh, me and you just haven't hit at this stage, but we're still in the house. And what's that? Give it time, give it time. Give it give it time, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we might start running through them and my thanks to the, the different PROs for getting in touch and sending on their, their results and when it happens and whatever. So if you don't mind, Mickey, I'll just run through them if that's okay. You go, you go for a ramble, yeah. Uh, so the first one up is from, let me just see, there's so many of them. Uh, Oldcastle is first up, Alma Purcell, thanks to, to, to her for sending me this one in. Uh, and it it takes place every Wednesday night, and the jackpot is currently €9,800, so really tasty one there in Oldcastle. Uh, Dunsany's is every Saturday night, and there's a 10000 uh, jackpot currently live there. Dunhamore Ashburn's is 6600 Um Theirs is every Sunday night as well, and it's live on Facebook. Um, and they also want to give a little bit of a plug to their Christmas draw and they ask pretty please so I says why not so uh, Ballon Locker next and uh, theirs takes place every Monday night no jackpot uh, yet so Susan Farrell must be keeping the jackpot close to her chest uh, Summer Hills is every Friday night and it's currently at 10,000 as well um, Screens is also 10 grand so that's a, a real common uh, jackpot at the minute so plenty of money to be won there and um, that happens every Sunday night too uh, Slain Every Tuesday night, 4,975 to be precise. Um, <laughs> Slain one. The Chocolate, what a massive one this is. The Chocolate and Royal Gales, 13,000. Live every Monday night at half eight. So, Mickey, if we get off the air, we might just be able to tune in in time for that one. Uh, Kilmainham's happens every Monday night as well. Less of a jackpot, 3,300 there. Drabara's live on Drabara TV, 1,900. That's every Monday night at nine o'clock. So Column Kills, 2,800 Tuesday evening. Waterstown every Sunday, 3,200. Minolte, 14,000 in Minolte. Uh, that happens at Sunday at 9 o'clock. Wow, what a jackpot that would be. Um, I'd love to take a few quid off Minolte as well, Mick, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clonard, 3,300 every Monday night, live at 8 o'clock. Courtown, my own Courtown, 8,800. That's live every Friday night. 
uh, Kells. And I, I stay Kells. That's coming in right from Alan Tormey. So uh, it, uh, they are also known as Gail Colum Kill as well. But Alan's called them Kells for the purpose of this. 10,350 every Thursday night. Uh, nice Kildalki, 7,000 on the button every Tuesday night. Navin O'Mahony's 12,050 Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. Kilskier, 10,000. That's uh, Tuesday nights held once every two weeks, so not every week in Kilskier. St. Peter's Dubbine, 11,600. Uh, that takes place every Saturday night. Blackhall Gales, 3,200. Again, that's every second week, so every second Monday. Manalvi, 10 grand on the on the nose uh, every Monday night. And the final one we have in is from Waterstown, which uh, I think Ruth has just given me the results from last night. Will I just go in and check to see have we won at Mick? Yeah, because I think you sent me on Waterstown uh, already, 3,200 or something. Yeah, so that was Sunday night. So uh, there was 3,200 euro for jap- jackpot. Um, and no, Mickey, we weren't in the consolation prize. God. Either. So they're Damn all the, the current ones that are live. So there's a whole host of them there, and you can play them. Most of them, as you say, Mickey, are on Club for Some people have other uh, forms of doing them, but you'll get them all on their individual social media platforms and websites. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. It's a massive, massive uh, jackpots there. So, um, if you do want to, you know, throw your, throw your, uh, your, your, your hat in the ring and maybe get a chance at winning up to there's one there at thirteen thousand. I think is or fourteen thousand there Minolte, for, yeah. for for Minolte and and then Chocolate have a high one there at thirteen and there's a couple of ten thousands and look, all the jackpots are quite big uh, in fairness to them. They're ranging from uh, three thousand right up to fourteen thousand. Um, again, it's only going to cost you two euro and ten cent. Get on, have a go. If you're not in, you can't win. And uh, you know, all the, the the proceeds, the majority of the proceeds are going towards these clubs, and then the, some of the money is going into the jackpot. So look, just help out your local club. Um, Davey, um, I think that's it from this uh, this episode of the We Are Me podcast. Have you anything else you want to bring to it? Nope. You have nothing else. You're you're happy. You don't want to talk about Dublin or anything like that, or no? I, I think we've spoken enough about them. Now. Yeah, we have indeed. Look, it's been a it's been one of those tough weekends for Mead football, um, the Mead Camogues and the Mead Hurlers. As uh, we we lost in all three respective championships on the weekend, but we do have the Mead ladies to come yet. They will face off, as we said, against Clare next weekend at one pm on Port Leash on Saturday. And uh, we wish them the very best of luck. We are Mead. Why? It matters more.